You're listening to the Chisco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark White from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from Ragbri. This is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from all over the nation uh, talking about bicycling. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Well, let's leave with a smile today because it's starting to feel a little bit more like spring. We've been talking about how cruddy the weather's been lately, but it's uh, throughout the Midwest actually kind of feeling a little bit more springtime. So uh, there is hope in the world. You know, it's still pretty natural. I don't think until about mid-May in Iowa, things start to clear up. So we got a couple weeks. Yeah. It's going to be cold and rainy. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit sunny. It's going to be a little bit of everything still. So we're doing the podcast together, and we also have a guest with us, and we're from Parts Unknown, Whereabouts Unknown, right? because uh, we've got uh, we got some Secrets. interesting stuff coming down the pike <laughs> that we're going to let you know about in the near future, but we have a guest with us today. I would say a guest that's probably well-known because we, we've done well, a couple of events. He's been on this podcast before, mm-hmm. Patrick Brooks Reynolds from from you probably know him from the the blue ribbon bacon festival but also one of the co-founders of pigtails and and the bacon ride mm-hmm. how you doing brooks i'm great guys how you doing tonight good good well we brought brooks in because brooks kind of he is the 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 abe froman of bacon in in our state and we wanted him to kind of give a little bit of insight onto the pigtails ride some of the food uh, that that people will be savoring that time uh, as they ride their bikes, as well as the Bakun ride. And so, so I, I just thought it would be a good time to to bring Brooks in and just talk a little bit about some of the food that they may uh, encounter. Say, let's start with pigtails. Sure. And that's that's coming up, Mark. What May nineteenth? May nineteenth. How's yeah. the registrations going for that? Uh, still booming right along. I, I think we're looking at probably eight nine hundred people on that ride, so it'll be fun. Hopefully, the weather's good. Okay. And uh, Brooks, are we going to have enough bacon for all those people? I think we'll have enough bacon for this ride. Uh, That's going to be another sizzling ride on the High Trestle Trail on May 19th. Uh, It starts at Prairie Trail Development in Ankeny, Iowa. Your stomping grounds, Tiege. We will start that ride off at Jethro's Lakeside at Prairie Trail. Uh, Chef Dominic Inarelli and his team come up with a great, you know, bacon-themed breakfast buffet, some, you know, scrambled eggs, hash browns, fresh fruit, some signature bacon from Jones uh, Dairy Farm. Uh, You know, that's where it will start. We'll feed the riders a good meal just because it's a, you know, long ride on the high trestle trail for for pigtails. And uh, then they'll head north, and they're going to head to... Uh, Sheldahl and Sheldahl at the Nighthawk. We're going to have our good friends at Berkwood Farms. Oh, uh, that's Slater. Is the oh, that Slater? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Slater. I can't. Yeah. S- you're, you're close. I was close. You're close. You're close. Yeah. Um, sorry, Slater at the Nighthawk. Yeah. Um, at, at they're, we're going to have Berkwood Farms, our great friends, Nick Jones. They're going to be serving up some award-winning Applewood smoked bacon. And it's going to be a tasty, tasty, tasty time in Slater. Tasty, tasty. Well, good. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, they get over to the Flat Tire Lounge. And is there anything waiting for them at the Flat Tire? It, it, there is. There is. Uh, actually, the Flat Tire Lounge, they have a food truck there or a food caboose, I would say. Mm. It's a caboose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that was actually was just taken over by uh, Shad and Angie Curtin at Cued Smokehouse uh, in Waukee. Wow. 
Uh, Shad is an award-winning pitmaster. Um, I mean, if you ever have you ever been into his place in Waukee, he has trophies all over the place. I think he's. I want to say it's the Kingsford's Kingsford's Invitational. He's won, and uh, he's going to be doing a pulled pork sandwich. And, and the pork is actually from Berkwood Farms, and nice. Berkwood Farms is um, a nitrate nitrite free pork. Uh, you can find out information of that on betterpork.com. And he's going to do he. It's a, a one of my favorite pulled pork sandwiches out there. And actually, we we weren't going to have the the pig cookie, but we're bringing the pig cookie back because we oh, knew that was a big hit. Can't can't do a ride without the pig cookie. Oh yeah. Uh, well, actually, no. The pig cookie's at the end. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I just wait. it's been a long day. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So it sounds like some tasty treats away, but but Mark. Didn't we add a new little wrinkle as well with the little thump thump? You know, I'm going to feel bad because AKA Murph, Murph hasn't announced this oh, yet. Oh, shh, shh. Never mind. But we'll, we'll do the hint. There's going to be a dance party on the bridge. Hmm. Ooh. Dance Ooh. party. Thump thump. Bump bump. Uh-huh. Nice. I'll let her do the rest, but okay. it's going to be fun. Interesting. That sounds like a lot of fun. Okay. So so that's May 19th. The other big uh, event wait, now. Wait, wait. We still have, wait, there's whoa. still something at the end of the ride, oh, remember? heck yeah. Oh. Yeah. Kind of one of the things that we added this year. Uh, you know, we had some weather issues last year at the end of the Pigtails ride and you know, it, we, we made all this food and it just didn't get, it didn't get eaten. We don't want to have waste. And so at the end of the ride, each rider gets a $5 voucher to use at a prairie trail restaurant and they're actually going to have some specials i don't i can't remember all of them but there's i think seven or eight restaurants and you can get you know a taco at taco hangover you can get an appetizer at jethro's you can get a salad at district 36 so you know after you're done with the ride you have to go get that voucher at um at district 30 or at whiskey river where we're having the official yeah. after event and then you can go and you know eat eat some good food all all throughout prairie trail and at the the district venue which is attached to whiskey river we're gonna have the band sister sarah playing yep. for you and so when you you go pick up your pig cookie you go pick up your five dollar voucher you know you're gonna have a good time and um so i'm looking forward to hearing sister sarah after we're gonna be working we can't ride so we're all going to be working, making sure there's plenty of food, plenty of bacon right. for the pigtails ride, and making sure that you know it's a safe and enjoyable event. Yeah, I think it's going to be outstanding, and and that's an indoor event where Sister Sister Sarah is playing. Just in Correct. case anybody from the government's listening, yes, indoor event. Yes, indoor event. So lots of lots of thump, not lots of pounding bass and uh, just right. some great singing. So Sister Sarah is going to bring it. So uh, looking forward to that. So okay, so. Hey, we jump over to June, right. and we have the fifth annual Bacon Ride. Mm-hmm. And again, it's got a little flavor of bacon on that ride. So just some of the highlights, Brooks, off the top of your head. Um, what awaits people when they when they roll on the trail towards some of those great stops? Well, that ride is, is we have a lot more food on that ride. I mean, this that's the you know one of their signature food rides in the United States. Uh, High V will be making another great bacon infused donut uh we're gonna we still haven't finalized that but it's down to chocolate peanut butter bacon Mm. Mm -hmm. or they may they they were trying to do maybe like an elvis with some like um 
banana. Shit, Elvis? I, I know you like Elvis. I love Elvis. Uh, like a little <laughs> a banana and peanut butter and bacon. So we still, I haven't, I'm going to, do you want to go taste test some here? Oh, the, heck yeah. I think that's part I'll, of our I'll, job. I'll we need channel, to do that. I'll channel yeah. my inner Elvis. I mean, I eat for a living now, so it's tough. I'm caught in a yeah. trap. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, you know, that's going to be at Dallas Center, actually. The, the local Girl Scout troop helps us pass out. Uh-huh. The, they're great. Uh, Des Moines Baking Company, Jim Reese, actually won Best Bacon at the this year's Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival in Des Moines in February. Uh, he's going to be serving up at the 1914 in Minburn. Um, Berkwood Farms, back again. They'll be at the Hotel Pati in Perry. Uh, Hotel Pati is now under new ownership, and they are great. The team there, Aaron and Micah, have been great, very receptive of participating in this ride. They're actually going to make a bacon cookie as well. TJ, your favorite, the corn dog. Oh, it's back. Yeah, nice. I, I know we talked about oh. getting rid of the corn dog, Heck and no. T, TJ was like, no, 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 no. It's popular. We need that. Um, the homage to the state fair is is the corn dog. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So we channel our interstate fair with the corn dog. Well, actually, and you know, this is a bacon hot dog as well. It's for, again, it's Berkwood Farms. Berkwood Farms is a great sponsor of the Bacon Ride. Uh, Hormel will be back. Hormel's going to have some bacon at, at our friends in, in Redfield at Harvey's Diner. Um, and actually, in Panora, they're going to have a, it's like a bacon nacho or bacon. He's doing like Ooh. a bacon queso. He's mixing it up. He's not doing the slider again. And Joe he and I goes all out. He does. And Joe's great. Joe Wikes at PJ's Drive-In in Panora. If you haven't been there, please go. It's right uh-huh. on the trail. It's it's perfect for this ride. I mean, he nice. he really you know knocks it out of the park and uh, and then in Adele, that's actually getting moved to Brickyard Cafe. Okay, and that's and that's on the trail again. Uh, but then our, our friends again from Cute are coming back, and then we still don't know what the what Mickey's is doing. Amy Walsh, she's she's baking up a couple test batches, so mm. you know there's, it's still in the works. But that'll be again a tasty ride on June sixteenth. And you didn't even mention before they even roll, we have some bacon awaiting them, right, in the park? Oh, yeah. Gusto, Gusto was back again for the fifth year in a row. Uh, Tony, uh, Josh, and Joe at Gusto Pizza are old, old friends of mine. Actually, Josh and I grew up at church together, and uh, they, they, they're they great. They work with actually a local baseball team, because that's a hard, you know, they make those tacos right fresh yeah. every, every morning. I mean that morning, and it's they roll them, and, and uh, they're great. So we'll have that, you know, bacon egg t- uh, breakfast taco first thing. Oh, nice. that's awesome. Nice. Well, good. Well, sounds like lots of fun. Still time to register for the bacon ride, correct, Mark? Plenty of time to register for the bacon. Prices go up May first, though. So I mean, it's kind of starting to hit the wire. So people should think about that. Okay. Well, good. Well, I know we got a busy show. We've got Mike Boone from Adaptive Sports Iowa. Nice. I know AKA Murph had a had a little sit down with mm-hmm. Mike talking about some of the cool things that they're doing. Uh, obviously, their Ragbride team attracts a lot of attention with their hand cycles and uh, blind tandem, etc. So lots of cool stuff. So hey, let's let's get to the show. Just Go Bike listeners, this is Kathy Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and today I'm with Mr. Mike Boone. Hey, Mike. 
How's it going? Good, good. So Mike is the director of Adaptive Sports Iowa, which is a nonprofit organization that organizes sports and rec programs for people with physical and visual disabilities. So this is going to be a pretty cool interview. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. All right, Mike. Well, tell us a bit about the history of Adaptive Sports and maybe like how you decided to create the organization. Sure. Um, Happy to. So um, first off, right out of the gate, um, Adaptive Sports Iowa is actually part of a nonprofit called the Iowa Sports Foundation. Okay. Underneath the umbrella of the Iowa Sports Foundation, there's actually uh, four separate organizations. There's Adaptive Sports Iowa, most notably we're known for as the Iowa Games, Live Healthy Iowa, and the Iowa Senior Games. So I'm I I organize the Adaptive Sports Iowa pillar for the Iowa Sports Foundation. Okay. So essentially, what we do is our mission at Adaptive Sports is we organize sports and recreation programs for people with physical and vision disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, People. Outside of the disability world, um, commonly kind of um, they sometimes confuse us with organizations like uh, Special Olympics. Okay. Um, so we're more we're more of the Paralympic side. So Special Olympics serves those with intellectual disabilities. Mm-hmm. We serve those with physical and vision disabilities. So okay. like in, in fact today, um, the opening ceremonies for the Paralympic Games for the Winter Paralympic Games in uh, uh, Pyeongchang um, happen. So that's we're more of the Paralympic movement. Okay. Okay, awesome. And how did you decide to uh, create this organization? So um, it kind of I, I, I kind of landed in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, um, to kind of give you the short story. Yeah, um, I'm born and raised from Colorado. Been skiing since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Hugh loved the outdoors. Um, I went to school, uh, went to college down in uh, Durango, which mm-hmm. is uh, Fort Lewis College for hopefully any alumni that might be listening. I know <laughs> I know there are a few out there apparently. Um, so anyway, when I was when I was going to school down there, um, I was able to uh, serve or, or work as a volunteer for a adaptive sports program. Okay. Um, at the at Purgatory, which is a ski area down in Southwest Colorado, and I basically worked with individuals with disabilities and taught them how to ski. Um, I did it for a couple of reasons. One, um, my dad was blind, mm-hmm. so I've kind of always just been around or connected to disability. Um, but two, I was a broke college student and the deal was every day that I went and volunteered I would get a pass to come back and ski for free another day oh nice um but that that was my first introduction into the world of adaptive sports and it 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 totally changed me Mm -hmm. um you know I I never I never really realized the power of sport when it's used as as a tool for rehabilitation or just uses it as a tool to um just improve quality of life Mm -hmm. um and we would commonly have people that would come into the ski lodge at the beginning of the day and they were they were there not necessarily because they wanted to go skiing. They were there because their family or friends were forcing them to get out of the house and go do something. Oh, okay. So we would have someone come into the into the, the lodge in the morning. He's in a wheelchair. And it was amazing to um, connect that individual mm-hmm. with the right piece of equipment mm-hmm. and proper instruction. And all of a sudden, they're skiing independently. Oh, nice. You know, and it was amazing to see that that shift how you you make that introduction and all of a sudden now it starts it starts extrapolating out to other aspects of their life well shoot shoot if I can go skiing well what else can I do right you know and that and that aspect of that job totally changed me so um, following graduation I I was offered a graduate graduate assistantship at Drake uh, University in Des Moines and uh, the idea was to move here and uh, get my graduate degree and move out well I moved here and Never left. <laughs> Met an Iowa farm girl and got stuck. <laughs> Very happily, too, I, might, I should add. Um, but my, when, I, when I left grad school, 
um, I wanted, I knew I wanted to stay involved in the, adapt, the adaptive sports world, but my, my understanding about how that industry worked was from my experience in Colorado, where there are dozens mm-hmm. of adaptive sports programs out in Colorado. So I figured that Iowa was the same. And um, kind of disappointedly, when I left and started doing my research, I realized that there was literally nothing going on in the state of Iowa. Oh, wow. So this was back in, you know, 07. And... Um, so my wife and I, we, we essentially, we just, we wrote a business plan and said, well, let's see if we can start one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wrote a business plan of, of creating a Adaptive Sports Iowa as our own independent nonprofit. And, uh, and we would just connect and, and network with as many people as we could possibly. Did, they didn't have, have to have any connection whatsoever to disability. Mm-hmm. We just wanted anyone who would give us the time of day. We wanted to tell them about this concept of, you know, how, how something like Adaptive Sports Iowa would, would positively impact the state of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and... One thing led to another and connecting with people. Eventually, I, I was able to connect with the leadership of the Iowa Sports Foundation. Um, and, and those individuals had um, saw a lot of value in, in the mission that we were trying to, per, trying to provide through adaptive sports. And they essentially said, um, you know, instead of you creating your own nonprofit, uh, why don't you do it for us and we'll, and we'll pay you to do it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, it was an extremely humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we wrote our first business plan in February of 2010 and by December of 2010, I was working full time as the director of adaptive sports, Iowa. And actually we kicked off operation in, uh, March 8th of 2011. So we just, we just celebrated seven oh, years. Oh yeah. That was yesterday. Yep. We well, just congratulations. Seven years. <laughs> that is great. Congratulations. Well, um, you mentioned skiing because obviously you're in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the sports that you help athletes sure. get into? So, so right now we've got um, ongoing programs uh, within track and field. Uh, skiing, obviously, we do a we do a big ski event uh, over in Boone. We call it the Boone Bump over okay. at Seven Oaks. They do a great job with us over there. Uh, skiing, uh, we just started a youth sled hockey program. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a blind baseball team or a beat baseball team uh, that, that that's you know competitive and and, and competes nationally. Uh, we have a goalball program, uh, wheelchair basketball, and we also uh, have an air gun program as well. Wow. Lots of lots of opportunity there outside. Obviously, the big thing that we'll be talking about in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that you're on the Just Go Bike podcast is you have a RAGBRAI team. We do. So tell us a little bit about that. So I uh, um, I rode RAGBRAI three years prior to us starting the team. Okay. And uh, we uh, it's obviously an incredible event. And for someone who was unfamiliar with it from moving outside of Iowa and coming to here, it was, it's, as many of your listeners, I'm sure have realized it's a, um, it's a, a, a very overwhelming experience that first time. <laughs> it's, I've always told people it's kind of like the Grand Canyon. You really cannot fully appreciate it until you're in your, the thick of it, you know? Yeah. That's a great analogy. So we, uh, so we, we, we did those first three years and then I, then we started Adaptive Sports Iowa and it, it struck me, um, that RAGBRAI overall at that time was just not a very accessible event. Mm-hmm. And, and by no means, I want to clarify, by no means do I mean that, that in any kind of negative way towards the organizers of RAGBRAI. Um, the fact is it's, it's a logistical reality. When you take that many people through rural Iowa, accessibility is just going to be an issue. 
Okay. So we, we basically, we approached Ragbri and we told them, Hey, we, we would love to be able to start some sort of a charter team mm-hmm. where we try to address some of these accessible issues. Okay. Um, and, and the, the TJ and Scott, um, have been just awesome, um, with, with, with supporting us and, 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 and kind of making sure that we're, we're taken care of, um, throughout the week. But basically what we do is um, if any individual um, wants to ride RAGBRAI and they've, and they've got some sort of a, a barrier that they face, you know, we've got uh, individuals on, on our team that are uh, leg amputees or spinal cord injuries. Uh, we've had brain injuries in the past, uh, blind and vision impaired. Anyone who, who would face any sort of a um, mobility-related challenge or any kind of a, a, an accessible barrier along the way, um, we invite them to come join our team. And then we will, um, based upon the needs of our team every year, we will try to, you know, do the best we can to, you know, let them have the experience of RAGBRAI without some of the stresses they would face without kind of the support that we would provide. Okay. Okay. So how many people are on the RAGBRAI team? So uh, this upcoming summer will be our eighth year. Um, last year uh, was our biggest biggest team we've ever had. And we had 80 people. 80 people. Eight zero, 80 people. And of those, we had uh, 17 states represented. Um, in the past, we've had people, um, at, we, a couple years ago, we actually had a hand cyclist from Italy come over and join us. Ah. Um, and, and of that 80 people, um, about 55% uh, are individuals uh, that I would categorize as disabled mm-hmm. or someone from the disability group. And then the rest are volunteers. So your truck drivers, we have volunteers in the bikes. Um, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So uh, an obvious question to ask is what sort of obstacles do those team members face? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably the biggest, the biggest reason that a lot of individual individuals ride with our team um, is, is, is for the overnight um, housing. Okay. Um, there's a many, many in a, people on our team that if, if they would not, um, if they don't have access to accessible housing, that RAGBRAI is just simply not an option. And you can imagine, you know, um, you know, if there's a lot of, a lot of people on our team that the camping is just not an option, Okay. you know, and just, and, and not only from a comfort standpoint, just like from a liability standpoint, mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine, um, if you, if you use a you know, you're dependent upon a wheelchair and you're camping in the middle of a grass field and it starts to rain, right. that's going to cause some issues. Right. You know, and that's just, that's just one very small example of some, some of the stuff that our, that our, um, our athletes would, would, would deal with. So basically, we, um, we actually were able to coordinate um, either rec centers or churches or community centers and schools. and any, we, We've been in a vacant storefront one year, um, but we try to coordinate accessible climate-controlled facilities every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, so our our right, I mean that, that that that's probably the biggest, um, the probably the the biggest stress for a lot of our riders on the team is 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 those overnight. Um, but we have individuals, for example, um, just just today actually, um, I had a uh, um, a blind cyclist uh, from out of state contact me said, hey, I want to ride Ragbri, uh-huh. um, but I don't have a pilot. You know, well, luckily, um, we've got, a, you know, great volunteers with our team, and I was able to connect him with a, uh, another out-of-state pilot from California. So when he comes up here in July, um, you know, he's going to connect with, a, with our pilot, and he's going to be able to ride across Ragbri, or ride across Iowa, um, with, a, with a pilot that we were able to um, connect with. Connect wow, him with. So, that's, a great, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were talking a little bit earlier about 
uh, a couple, something about a tandem that was, became an obstacle? Yeah. So um, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but we, uh, we're, we're, I think we're talking right now in uh, Bikes to You in yeah, Grinnell, Iowa. Grinnell. Shout yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Grinnell Bikes so to You. So our, our very first year, which was 2011, um, Grinnell was an overnight town. And we had um, we had one of our tandem duos, a, a blind stoker and a, and a pilot, and uh, their bike totally blew up the day that we were riding into, into Grinnell uh-huh. and they were absolutely, they had already convinced themselves that their, their week was over. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, with a conversation with Cooper, uh, we were able to, um, he actually had a used tandem that fit our pilot and our, and our stoker perfectly. And they were able to m- figure that out. And, and in this bike shop, we were able to connect, connect those bikes. And they, that individual, actually that team was able to finish that week out that week. Oh, that's great. It's, we need another shout out to Coop. Yeah, Coop, always. The Coops own uh, bikes to you here in Grinnell, and they're one of our sponsors. So and great. apparently, they have a triathlon section too. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're actually sitting in the triathlon section. <laughs> uh, well, um, you know, we talked a little bit about obstacles that team members face, but what about logistical challenges in organizing a team <laughs> with disabilities? Yep, you can uh, you can imagine. <laughs> um, so we, we've we've grown we've grown a lot over the over the the history of our event so just to give you an example our very first year um we had this idea we want to make ragbri accessible we had a team of 24 people mm-hmm. we had like one 14 foot box truck <laughs> um you know we we kind of haphazardly were able to f- you know put facilities together and whatnot our team was smaller back then so so finding facilities was a little bit easier but that first year was definitely a learning experience um you know we had we had a lot of just really, really talented athletes on that team um, that year, which was which was really cool to, to kind of witness. But um, logistically, I mean, so so basically, we we meet we meet in in Des Moines at the beginning of the week. Uh, we we coordinate accessible transportation, meaning we have a, basically a charter bus with a lift mm-hmm. that will take them from Des Moines to the start town, and then we'll also coordinate the same bus at the end of the week that will pick us up at the end point and then bring us back to Des Moines, um, where we have we have a long term parking lot that we use there. Um, so kind of Des Moines is our hub. So okay. we have a lot of out-of-state people that are always flying in. So we've always kind of used that. Plus our our office is an AIM. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it makes sense to have that in central Iowa. Um, and then uh, the, the the months leading up to RAGBRAI, um, if I've got a connection in any kind of city, um, I'll try to use that to, to get in and try to find a facility. And for those, for those towns I'm not able to find one in, um, I actually go and travel with the RAGBRAI crew. And uh, they 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 introduce me face to face with their housing housing committees. Oh, okay. Um, and usually, and that's usually in early May. And so by by the mid to late May, I've usually got all the all the facilities um, kind of kind of lined up. Um, so that's that's been great. In fact, that it, we we would probably not be able to successfully run our team if we didn't have that kind of support from Ragbar. Yeah, I'm sure that's a big <laughs> big sigh of relief when you land yeah. those overnight. Yeah. No, that's that's probably our our biggest thing. So you know, then we're um, we 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 use one 26 uh, foot long box truck. We have a 14 foot long box truck um, that carry all of our gear every single day. Um, our team every morning. Uh, so the Ragbar route is typically open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Right. Okay. So we as a rule on our team, we're on the road at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so everyone on our team has the maximum amount of time. They've got the full 12 hours to make it to the next overnight town. Most of the time we're all in, but there's sometimes that, you know, there's some members of the team that need that full time. So that's why we always leave at 6 a.m. We also leave as a team because our overnight trucks and actually all of our trucks cannot leave until all the wheelchairs are available and whatnot. So we always leave as a team. Um, so typically we're completely like loaded and out of our facilities and done by 7 a.m. 
<laughs> which our 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 uh, the facilities that we use really like that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during the day, um, during the the so in in the meetup town or the halfway point, um, we'll always set up uh, a tent, and usually it's right on the main route through town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have these big flags. I'm sure uh, any of your listeners that have ridden Ragbri have have come across our tents before. We usually line up all all the wheelchairs, and we'll actually stick a gone cycling sign to all the empty wheelchairs. Oh, nice. Which is uh, which we always we, we like. It's a, it's a good visual. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it really, I, we think it really embodies our team well. Um, so we'll transport everyone's, any, any kind of mobility device. So wheelchairs, crutches, um, the, uh, uh, walkers, anything that, um, uh, uh, people that are using prosthetic limbs, we'll, we'll, we'll take all of those devices and have them waiting for our athletes at the meetup town. Mm-hmm. So, um, that way they know they can at least spend a little bit of time out of the saddle. Right. Um, so they can go find food and, and obviously just spend some time out of the bike for a little bit because a lot of our riders getting out of the bike is just obviously not an option. Right. Um, so we'll do that. Um, while, while our team is set up in the, in the meetup town, um, we actually coordinate with, with local groups like the FFA, um, um, you know, it, any, anyone we can find and they actually help, um, set up our overnight facilities. So when our team arrives every day, all their beds are inflated, all their beds are set up, the gears distributed, um, accordingly. So when our riders get in, all they need to worry about is just transferring out and starting the recovery process. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That is a pretty good setup for mm-hmm. yeah for any athlete actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I as someone who who rode three years, you know, roughing it, quote unquote, quote unquote, roughing it. Um, now I'm I, for the last for the last eight years now I've been in climate controlled facilities every sure. single night, and I tell you what, there's it's nice. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you next. Uh, how about you? Are you a cyclist? And yes, you are because you've done Ragbri uh, before you started this organization, but. I um I would say I'm I am the definition of a recreational cyclist. Okay. <laughs> um I actually I I ran I ran cross country and track all through uh college. Mm-hmm. And uh I didn't I didn't actually own a bike until uh I was invited to go on Ragbri. Oh, year. okay. Yep, so I bought a I bought a cheap used bike off of Craigslist and rode the first 3 days of that first year and realized, hey, this is this is kind of fun because <laughs> the thing is like when you're when you're in the in the environment that I was I was competing cross country and down in southwest Colorado like I could leave my front door mm-hmm. and I could be on a single track trail in a matter of minutes and I could then run on that trail an oh. hour out an hour back and never cross a road yeah never see a building it was a, it was a very fun environment to run in mm-hmm. place myself in central Iowa there's just it's a lot of straight concrete paths and running is just for me personally and i'm not by no means am i throwing iowa under the bus i love iowa right. i love it um but running is just not as fun as it was for me in the past uh-huh. plus i'm not as spry as i used to be <laughs> <laughs> and cycling is a little bit easier on the joints so i've i've started cycling a lot and um yeah so i i usually just like everyone i'll ramp up quite a bit as we get closer to ragbri cl- yep yep um, shout out to kyle's bikes i've got a i've got a specialized from his bike and from his shop and um, they've always been really good to me too. So. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, if somebody wants to learn more about adaptive sports, how can they do so? Um, so we are very active on Facebook and Twitter. Um, just search Adaptive Sports Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a website, www.adaptivesportsiowa.org. And then if you just want to have a conversation with me, you can call me toll free at 888-777-8881. And ask for Mike Boone. And ask for Mike Boone. Yeah. What do you see the future of for Iowa Adaptive Sports? I'm sorry, Adaptive Sports Iowa. Oh, that's fine. You know, we, uh, um, we've had a lot of humbling success over the last seven years. You know, I mean, really, we, we kind of created a, um, 
there was a need that was in the state already. We simply just put the pieces together and added some leadership, and we've had a lot of success with it. Um, our our goal now is is to identify um, kind of those next needs, and we what we really want to do is we want to be able to expand our staff mm-hmm. and really grow our ongoing programs from beyond Central Iowa because most of our most of our programs happen around Central Iowa because that's where our, our base is. Um, but we would love to be able to start expanding the state because when we started Adaptive Sports Iowa, we didn't start Adaptive Sports Des Moines. We called it Adaptive Sports Iowa right. for a reason because right. we wanted to be able to serve serve that state. So that's kind of that's our big our big goal um, next is is trying to figure out financially how do we how do we make this thing you know expand beyond what we're doing now. Well, and it seems like you definitely uh, can see that there's a need if you look at the volume of athletes you've had join for Ragbri, right. and you've got all those other sports that you are involved mm-hmm. with. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, well, last question: What's your favorite pie? Oh man. So. <laughs> Uh, the, whatever, whatever year Ragbri went through Coralville and then ended in, in Bittendorf. Yeah. I think that was three years ago. Okay. Two or three. So, um, on that day I was riding along and there was just one of these, one of these Amish tents on the side of the road. I pulled over and they had a cherry rhubarb Mm. and it pretty much that at that point, that pie has set the bar for any pie that I've had ever since. And of course, once I finished, you know, once I, I chose the pie, they're like, do you want a la mode for a dollar? It's like, yes. yes. <laughs> Did you have to ask? <laughs> so um, I'd like to um, do one one quick shout out here. Yeah. Um, so our, our rag bride team... Um, we would not be able to be successful. We wouldn't be able to, to be able to serve serve the athletes we're able to um, without the help of some of our sponsors. Yeah. Um, uh, specifically, um, the actual title of our Ragbri team is the Adaptive Sports Iowa Cycling Team, presented by Iowa Farm Bureau. Okay. And we've we've had a great relationship with them over the last few years, um, and I just want to shout out to them because we we wouldn't be able to serve our mission if it wasn't for their support so shout out to iowa farm bureau yes (laughs) (laughs) great great well so much thank you so much for being on the podcast it's really been an interesting interview you You bet well listeners i leave you with a quote from the unwritten book of murphology this quote comes from murphy's law no matter which direction you start it's always against the wind coming back think about it Parrot Talkers, what's up? This is Andrea, and this is Parrot Talk. Um, I don't know about you guys, but it snowed in Des Moines yesterday, and I am thirsty for spring. I've just got all this biking energy bottled up inside, and I just want to gush about it. Um, that's right. I'm talking about water bottles today. I was looking through an old binder yesterday for merchandise ideas to do this year, and I saw um, a scratched idea for a water bottle caddy like you'd put it in your water bottle cage and you could store your small personal items in there um excuse me i need that for a water bottle i'm glad we never made them because they looked kind of scary to be honest um but you know if you can get by with one water bottle cage and use the other one as a caddy more power to you if i was going to do that i would at least put a speaker in there um, shout out to Aaron and the Woo Girls who we had a and Murph who had a water bottle speaker like that uh, on the Bacon ride and we rocked it. Anyway, um, so what types of water bottles are out there? Um, 
I'm taking for granted that you probably already have a favorite water bottle, a favorite setup, um, but I'm just going to kind of go through them. You never know. You might want to go outside of your comfort zone and try something different. Um, you know, if you have a really strong preference, I'd like to hear about it. You know, let me know online on Twitter. Um, I'll be there tweeting. <laughs> um, so anyway, standard water bottle is pull top. Um, you just pop that top open and get your drink. You can do that without, you know, you can open the top without using your hands. It's kind of nice. It's just the baseline standard type of water bottle. Most are like this. Um, I've also had one that had the squeeze top where you squeeze the bottle and the water will come out. There's a little like plus sign, uh, what do you call it? Diaphragm there that will open when you, um, squeeze it. And those are kind of cool, but they're kind of tricky to clean, but they're also kind of cool. So my opinion, worth it. Uh, you could also have one with a dial top. That's what I call it. This, none of this is technical jargon. This is just what I made off, off the top of my head based of either real water bottles that I've used or something I saw online. I've had the dial top one where you can either switch it to the open position or the closed position. And that is really nice if you are um, drinking something red, such as Kool-Aid, or if you have something in there that you don't want to spill out onto you while you're riding. Or if you think you might be, say, mountain biking and you think you might be not quite so vertical all the time, you know, so you don't get splashes onto your legs. Um, it is a little inconvenient to be riding because you kind of have to use your hand to turn it into the open position, um, you know, while you're in motion. I've, I have one like this. I don't really mind it, but it is just a little bit more inconvenient to use. Um, but it is easier to clean than the, the squeezy top. So, you know, there's that. Now, when I was looking up water bottle types online, which is like probably one of the nerdiest things that I've done in the last couple days, um, they have one that has a flip top that will cover the nozzle of the water bottle. Now, I could see that if you're a germaphobe and you would really want to keep the top of your water bottle clean, but to me, that's just something that will probably break off eventually and is a huge inconvenience. And also, you have to clean that somehow. So, I would probably stay away from that, and that's, there's probably a reason why you don't see them around a lot. But I have been out riding when it's really windy or in the gravel or like in the muck and you don't want all that crud on your bottle, you know, I could see that. Although I think that's just extra minerals in your diet, you know, always look on the positive side. Um, there's also a kind that you can get where you unscrew the bottom so that you can clean it more easily. If you're a germaphobe, hundred percent go for it. For me, I have this little thing called the bottle brush that I use to clean my bottles and I brush Brush that bottle all the way down to the bottom. No problem with cleaning it. Takes a couple seconds to get in there. I mean, probably 30 seconds, okay? I like, I clean my water bottles, all right? But um, I picked it up for like two thirty-three at Walmart. Um, this is not an ad, but seriously, they're not that expensive. It's just kind of what you're comfortable with. But anyway, I like to use that. It gets them nice and clean. Um, you can get an insulated water bottle. Or you could get a non-insulated water bottle. Some people really care about that stuff. I don't totally care unless I have something in there that I really don't want to drink hot. Like, I don't know, maybe, what do you drink cold? Anyway, Gatorade, that I don't like to be hot. But if it's just water, I don't really care. Um, also, um, insulated bottles are a little bit more costly. 
and you know they have a little bit less volume because some of the volume of the bottle is taken up by the insulation instead of just the interior if that makes sense uh, but non-insulated bottles are cheap they're durable um, they have more volume and in some ways they stay colder for longer than you'd expect because there's more of a volume of liquid in there and it kind of self-insulates to a point now if you're out on ragbri and it's 90 degrees I don't know if there's anything you can do besides drink it really quickly if you want it to be cold with a non-insulated bottle. But they're nice because they're easily replaceable and probably recyclable depending on the bottle. So, you know, you can go through a couple of them if you need to. Um, and with the number of times that I've left a water bottle sitting on a park bench or um, in a shelter somewhere or on the side of the road, cheaper is sometimes better, you know. So think about it that way. There are a couple of different types of insulation, the foil lining, a gel. I even saw a cork water bottle online, which seemed cool, but it does kind of seem like maybe, I didn't see the inside, but it seemed like it might be easy to get kind of grody. You know, cork is so porous. You know, could you could it be infused with bacteria? I'm not sure. I'm not a complete germaphobe, but like, I don't want to die here. All right. You know, I don't want to catch like, I don't know, walking pneumonia from my water bottle. Can you do that? I don't think, whatever. I don't know my diseases. Um, some people try, how do you attach your water bottle to your bike? The cages are my favorite way to go, right on the, the main frame. Some people do it behind the seat, which it looks really cool, but also you have to be able to coordinate it enough to like put the bottle back there and remove it fast enough which I am not. I need to have full eye contact of that water bottle from cage to mouth or else bad things are going to happen. I mean, I've lost bottles while riding enough times while I was still looking at the thing. So, you know, that's up to you. Some of you, some people even have what's called a cageless water bottle where it has a little notch in the bottle that you can attach right to the frame. Now that's kind of cool, but then you're limiting yourself to only one type of bottle for that bike, which I'm not a fan of, but you know, if you really want that stylized look, it probably saves weight too. If you're really into that stuff, which I'm not, um, obviously then. So, okay. So that basically runs down all of a water bottle, the world of water bottles, the wonderful world. Um, what do you think about hydration backpacks? Like say Camelback, for example. Um, normally I'm a no on those too hot, too bulky. I have enough crap to carry around as it is. Uh, but if you were mountain biking, those things would be incredible because you don't have to change your shift your balance to drink out of them. That little nozzle is already right by your mouth. And you don't have to worry about pulling a bottle out of a cage and bobbling it. Now, mountain bikers are like, no duh. But as a road biker, this just occurred to me. So <laughs> uh, I'm saying it anyway. So, you know, the other thing that a camelback are like, hydration pack could be good for is if you're riding a long time and you know there's not going to be any water stops um you know if you're really riding out in the middle of nowhere which could easily happen in the summer you know you go out for a little ride and you either get lost or you decide to go off the beaten path you want to be sure you have enough hydration so that could be a real big plus there although my method is to just throw a bunch of water bottles in my rear bag you know my biggest bag that I have that I'm carrying with me. And that's a fine way to do it too. 
So that is the rundown, the fill up, the gallon of water bottle facts for me today. I hope you enjoyed them. Before I go today, I'd like to do a quick shout out to Diana Rose, who I was emailing with the other day. You go, girl. Hope I get to meet you on the ride. If you have anything else you'd like to say about water bottles or if you would like a shout out or, um, you know, if you just want to chat about bikes, I am all for it. And you can get a hold of us at Just Go Bike on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can email me at JustGoBikePodcast at gmail.com. Nailed that G- email address the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, love to hear from you. If you want to talk to me directly, you can tweet at me at ragbri underscore Andrea. And I'll be there. So have a great day, Parrot Talkers. And you've heard another edition of the Just Go Bike podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us some comments. Look us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all it. Just go bike. Yeah, and the podcast is brought to us each and every week by our three, three loyal sponsors. And I'm going to mix it up. We've got okay. Primal out mm-hmm. of Denver, Colorado. And uh, if you want some custom apparel, uh, some amazing shorts, jerseys, socks, you name it, you know, hit up Primal Wear over in Denver, Colorado. We also have Bikes to You, Bike Shop and Charter, an official Ragbride Charter and Bike Shop out of Grinnell, Iowa. Craig and April Cooper. We just had April on the podcast the other day talking about some of the great things. This real fine women's clothing bike shop. And last but not least, Think Iowa City. And they just put out the logo for Iowa City. Mm-hmm. Book it to Iowa City with uh, featuring that 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 great mascot, Herky the Hawk. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think you know just just another one of the Ragbri uh, towns have unleashed their logo. So, uh, but they do so many events over there. They just got done with a huge wrestling tournament, uh, lots of cycling events. So, uh, Josh and the gang over there with with Think Iowa City doing a great job. I learned a new phrase this week. We could close the show with this. Go ahead, Mark. I think that those are words to live by. And it might be even a little foreshadowing of things to come as we talk about events like Bacoon and Pigtails. So, okie dokie, artichokey. <laughs> oh, don't you know? All right. Just go bike. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.